Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Our team wasn't able to gain access inside Mosaic at Millennia so that we could interview residents about their experience living there. But it turns out we didn't have to. One woman came to us to share her shocking run-in with a sexual predator while she was living in the apartment directly below Jennifer Kessie's. I moved into Mosaic approximately around three years after Jennifer Kessie lived in the apartment. The crime that happened to me was happened on November 18th of 2009, and I had been living there approximately around six months at that time. When I first started living there, it was my first time to live alone. So there was a lot of things that I was able to notice because I was the only person living in the apartment and I didn't have a lot of companies. I was able to see things like footprints, water droppings, even fingerprints on the mirror in the bathroom. There was just little things all along before I actually caught someone on my porch. So this goes way beyond just a peep and Tom type issue. Valadez was raising a teenage boy who was attending his senior year of high school out of state when she moved to Mosaic. She had never heard of Jennifer Cassie or the saga surrounding her shocking disappearance. When Tammy began to make disturbing finds in her apartment, which ultimately escalated to a crime, she was understandably alarmed, but she said the management at Mosaic was anything but helpful. Are you saying that people came into your apartment when you were not home? Yes, ma'am, I am. I complained to the management at Mosaic, I would say over two dozen times during my duration of living there. When I first lived there, there was just a lot of entry from management without my permission. And every time that I noticed it, and there was a few times that I wasn't even aware they had been in there. But eventually I ended up finding out things from the office. I thought I had put a stop to people coming in by changing the locks, but then they came to me and told me that I had to put the lock back on that was there so that they could have access to the apartment. So there was just a battle the entire time that I lived there with management and them inappropriately entering the home without giving me one a notice or a reason why. Tammy first began noticing footprints in her home, then missing food and trash that didn't belong to her. As a single woman living alone, she started to get scared. So I never wore shoes in my home. It was something that was a big deal for me. Over six times I saw and felt and saw footprints in my apartment that were estimated size maybe 10 and a half and up. I'm a size six and a half woman. Mm -hmm. So when you vacuum a little one-bedroom apartment, you go to work and you know everything is tidy and you return home and you see big, huge footprints in your carpet, it makes you think, makes you wonder. So I immediately went down to management thinking that somebody had been there working on something, maybe a light bulb, a plumbing. I had no idea. I figured they had a good excuse. I didn't think that I was in an unsafe place. They said there was no one in my apartment. I let it go. And then 
approximately about a month later is when I came home and my toilet seat had drips on it, literally. Oh, <laughs> like I, what? Yeah. Oh, like no. the toilet seat was down. I'm a grown woman. I raised, you know, a son. He wasn't living there. He had never been to the apartment. I didn't have a boyfriend. Mm. And there was urine on the seat. So I was like disgusted. And I was on the phone with my girlfriend. She's like, well, you know, maybe you went to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I don't care how you slice it. No. At this point, after finding cans of soda missing from her refrigerator, footsteps embedded in her carpet, Tammy knew someone was coming into her apartment. A couple of weeks after the urine was found on the toilet seat, I came home and the kitchen sink was wet. So again, I walked over there instead of driving and I went into management and I asked to see a woman. I believe her, her name was Michelle, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And I spoke with her and I let her know, listen, you know, somebody's been in my apartment again. Okay. I'm changing the four digit code on my alarm and you guys don't have permission to be in my apartment anymore. If you need to be there, I want to be home, period. We'll be back after this short break. Did you hear the news? Now you can. With instant updates from Fox News for Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play news from Fox. In Fox News. It's the latest when you need it. On demand from Fox News and Amazon Alexa. The Fox News Rundown. A contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Again and again, Tammy found things amiss in her apartment. Someone was routinely entering her home when she wasn't there. Mosaic management insisted it wasn't their workers, and continuously brushed off her concerns. I lived on the first floor, which was not screened in. So a couple of weeks after I found the urine on the toilet seat and the water in the sink, I found two cigarette butts on my patio. They were extinguished or put out into a plant that I owned. And I don't smoke cigarettes, so they weren't mine. I got a baggie and I picked them up with the baggie so I didn't touch whoever's germs was that smoked it. That was my first initial thought. You know, I blew it off like it was the landscaper. I didn't even really take too much into heart. Mm -hmm. I threw the cigarette butts out in my apartment. And the following day, someone left a whole cigarette on the windowsill, not smoked. So someone was trying to send me a message. Tammy's patio is an important part of the story. Eventually it would become the setting for a sex crime. During all of this, Tammy began working a new job at a flea market vendor, where she would routinely be escorted by armed security to a bank to deposit tens of thousands of dollars in cash. At the time, Tammy thought the strange things in her apartment may have been linked to her work, perhaps someone breaking in and looking for that money. And I almost didn't go inside. Something was like, whoa. And then, I'm, you know, and then I said, well, somebody just threw their can out, Tammy. I get inside the house, ladies, and there's a Dr. Pepper missing from my home because I only bought six and there was five left. So again, I go to management. I vent to my friends. I vent to my coworkers. I tell my head of security guard all these things that have been going on. So that means everything I'm telling you guys and everything I'm going to tell you, I shared with a few people that were really Mm -hmm. close to me. Head of security started carrying an additional weapon. We all thought it may be work-related, you know? Then I was like, okay, so 
there were several incidents, the tub being wet, the sink being wet, the Dr. Pepper. There was a thing of beef jerky open one time that I hadn't opened. It was just for like a pool day and I hadn't opened it and it was open. Like somebody had just grabbed a handful and closed it back up. Things had gotten so bad for Tammy that she stopped enjoying the amenities at the apartment complex, like the pool, and wore bulky clothes as often as possible in her apartment, fearing that someone had installed hidden cameras to spy on her. And then, something terrible happened one November night. So, the night of November 18th, I was home after work. I had bulky, warm, winter-type pajamas on. I was on my couch, underneath a blanket, watching some television, getting ready to doze off, and I feel this weird feeling. I thought I was just being nervous because I was fully dressed for a reason. I wasn't in a tank top and shorts like a normal woman could be because I was keeping myself covered at all times because I didn't know if someone had placed cameras in my home. So that evening, I'm laying on the couch watching some television and I'm starting to doze off and I get the eerie feeling and I see a shadow. And I can see a shadow, which I learned later was him going from foot to foot. So you can imagine he was looking between the cracks of the blinds, watching me fully dressed and covered watch TV. So, I don't know where I got this from, (laughs) probably because I'm originally from Texas, from a strong woman. I'm not a gun owner, so I really can tell you now, 10 years later, I have no clue where this came from, but Mm -hmm. I literally banged on the door thinking that I was going to scare a raccoon off or something, Mm -hmm. and I banged just like that on the door, and when I opened the door thinking of pest or even maybe a deer or something was on there. (laughs) A raccoon is really what I expected to see. In the corner of my patio to the left, maybe six feet from me, is a man pleasuring himself. Oh, Jesus. With his zipper open, pants not down, but open. And he was literally in the corner, shook. He was stunned. He was so shocked, he froze for like a half a second. And I got so scared because it wasn't a raccoon and it was an actual man. I screamed and I don't know how I did it, but I did. I made the noise of a shotgun and I screamed at the top of my lungs. Excuse my French. Mother, I dare you to ever come back because I will blow your head off. And I screamed at the top of my lungs that all my neighbors heard me. <laughs> and I called 911. 911 was called. And this is where even the story gets more disrupt because Orlando Police Department was dispatched to my apartment at Mosaic. I gave them my story. They took fingerprints and evidence. And I thought we actually were going to be able to solve that crime. But unfortunately, I never heard back from Orlando Police Department. Tammy felt the Orlando Police Department seriously under-investigated the incident she reported to them. 
she also felt let down by Mosaic Management. I ended up renting a room for $800 a month in addition to paying my rent, paid Mosaic, the balance of my two months lease, and they kept my security deposit. Wow. Which was a full month's lease. So you're talking almost $1,500 a month for rent, for two months of rent, plus the security deposit. They made me pay that in order to leave the apartment. What did the man look like? Were you able to see him for long enough to get a description? I sure did. I saw him eye to eye, face to face. And never did Orlando Police Department ever call me in to do a sketch. See, now I'm going to tell you the rest of the story, which is Mm -hmm. even more disturbing. After she shouted at the man and presumably frightened him away, Tammy noticed some interesting details about his escape. Details, she said, should have been investigated thoroughly by police and apartment management. I bang on the door, I open the door, I scream what I scream. He freezes for the half a second and bolts to a white van with two black windows in the rear that was reversed up to the black iron fence, which is not a parking space. When he jumps into the vehicle, the lights are already on and the vehicle doesn't start, meaning what? The vehicle was already running. So the most scariest part of this story is that I don't think I was supposed to stay in Mosaic because there's only a few reasons why someone stalks and peeps and toms and watches and then has a white van backed up to the fence. Now, the police told me that they did not have any, because there's video cameras on the gate. Mind you, there's a guard, a live person that checks every license. You literally have to stop at the guard, they ask your name, they take an ID, they call the resident and ask the resident for permission to allow them to enter the property. When Tammy finally learned about Jennifer Kessie's case and drew the parallel to her own harassment, she felt the two had to be connected. It also tells me that that white van had to present a license or an ID to the security guard to get onto that property. I feel failed by Orlando Police Department because they did not, did not at all continue to search for the person that was on my porch, not through DNA, not through the white van, not through video. They never called me for any sketch artist when I saw the man face to face and they knew three years prior Jennifer Kessie was kidnapped from that apartment above me. I cannot believe this is unbelievable. Right directly above me. So we shared everything the same. The apartment layout was exactly the same. Her balcony is exactly above mine. Her bathroom was exactly above mine. Our bedrooms were, everything was exactly the same. Although police said Tammy's description of her stalker didn't match the person of interest in Jennifer's case, she still felt the two had to be related. In the years since her stalking and assault, Tammy says she's had to deal with a bevy of emotional and trauma-related issues. Life for Tammy hasn't been the same since she left the Mosaic Apartments. I lost my job shortly after that, and I have not worked since. It's really changed my life. It's really changed my life because I work within the public, and 
when you're always nervous and always scared, it doesn't allow you to do your job properly. Mm-hmm. I currently have a, I'm, I'm, I'm on antidepressants. For Tammy, like so many connected to Jennifer's disappearance, finding the person responsible in Jen's case is of utmost importance. She believes the person or people who stalked her and victimized Jennifer are still out there, still lurking and preying on young women. I would say four to five years after I moved out of there that I found out about Jennifer's case. Wow. I really do strongly feel that they're connected. Absolutely. There's something in my gut that tells me we cannot give up on looking for her no matter what. Because someone, someone is up to something in that location. It's not just me and it's not just her. The management team at Mosaic has changed hands since Jennifer's disappearance in 2006. We reached out to both old and new management, but they declined to comment. We also reached out to the Orlando Police Department for comment on Tammy's allegations, but did not hear back. In our final episode of House of Broken Dreams, you'll learn about some of the wild and false leads the Kessie family has received over the years. She calls me. We got her. We're going. Get ready to go. Get ready to go. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere until you tell me it's gentle. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.